0: Cameron DeVazier, and I'm Mark Howard and this is talking points we're on lesson 10 this week all about the book of Genesis and the title is Jacob hyphen Israel indicating we're still on the next half of Jacob's Jacob, life the where he becomes the supplanter like exactly week. now yeah. he becomes Israel and has yet another uh powerful experience with the Lord now last time we talked about the in his younger days he had the experience of the of the ladder coming down from heaven, which represented Christ. Christ is that ladder. And now we're going to have the night of wrestling with none other than Christ himself. So it's an interesting bookends that we're going to see in Jacob's experience. But I don't want to give too much away before we dedicate ourselves to the Lord in prayer. Could you lead us out today?
1: Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue our study of the book of Genesis, uh, we pray that the Spirit of Truth, who guided the mind of Moses as he wrote, would guide our understanding in these things. And Lord, teach us in a practical way how we can apply the things we're learning to our lives today as uh, we seek to faithfully follow you and as we seek to lead others to know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, for we ask it in his name. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, now, let me give a quick overview before we get into the talking points themselves of what was covered in this week's lesson. Um Obviously, the illustration, the Jacob, Israel, that's where he gets his name changed. The illustration is of a man fighting with another man. Mm -hmm. And Sunday's lesson talks about wrestling with God. And as I went through this lesson, I anticipated we'd get more detail about that as we go on. But that's kind of where that ended. Uh, All we got on the wrestling with God is basically Sunday's lesson. Then on Monday, it talks about the two brothers meet and how Jacob and Esau reconnected. And that was a pretty uh, impressive experience in its own right. No doubt. Then Tuesday, we have the violation of Dinah. Wednesday, we have prevailing idolatry. Thursday, we have the death of Rachel. And inside of that, we have this Reuben and Bilhah sin. And then we get to Friday, which is a recap. So basically, what I've done is kind of collected Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday all into one talking point at the end, generically. Mm-hmm. But really focused in on the first two which were the wrestling with God experience and the, um, the reconciliation of the two all brothers. All right. So what so, are our talking points themselves? Yes. Talking point number one, Jacob's fight will be ours as well. Okay. We're going to see all, right. all the spiritual, and that comes a little bit from Sabbath afternoon, but mostly from Sunday's lesson. Talking point number two, victory with God enables peace with others. Okay, that comes from Mondays and that's built on the reconciliation between Jacob and Esau and we're going to see applications in our own lives for that. And finally, that collected other stuff that the, that the rest of the lesson really covers, can sum, I summed up in this talking point number three, children of faithful parents need conversion too. Okay? That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday all together, and we'll get to that when we get to that. But for now, let's go back to what I consider the biggest rock in the jar of this week's lesson, which was Jacob's wrestling experience found in Genesis chapter 32. Now, I see you have your Bible open, and I appreciate that. I would ask Pastor Howard if you'd be so kind as to read Genesis chapter 32, verses, let's say, 22 to 28. Can you do that, please? Sure. The Bible says,
1: And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 27 and 28. 27 and 28. 28. So he said to him, what is your name? And he answered, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Mm.
0: Okay. So again, the context of this if you know the story well, outside of what we've just read here, Jacob is uh, uh, headed with his entire household towards, towards this rendezvous with Esau. And he sends everybody away and he's all by himself. And as the scripture says, it just says, and a man wrestled with him. So it kind of just jumps into the fray, like out of the blue, boom, he's wrestling. And this was, this is not just, even though there are spiritual aspects to it, this was a literal physical fight. That actually happened, right? Um, In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 196, we see that there's both the physical and the spiritual combined in Sister White's description of it. She says, Suddenly, a strong hand was laid upon him. He thought that an enemy was seeking his life, and he endeavored to wrest himself from the grasp of his assailant. In the darkness, the two struggled for for the mastery. Not a word was spoken, but Jacob put forth all his strength and did not relax his efforts for a moment. So again, physical battling then she goes on, while he was thus battling for his life, the sense of his guilt pressed upon his soul. His sins rose up before him to shut him out from God. So mm. he's got this dual application of this fight. There's the physical element of actual wrestling. And then there's this s- spiritual, psychological press going on that's trying to shut him out from God. So he's it's an all-out battle for Jacob. Okay, so let's get the setting
1: here. Uh, Last week, we talked about Jacob going home, Mm -hmm. and we know that the whole time Jacob was away, one of the reasons he had never gone home earlier was because Esau wanted to kill him ever (laughs) since he was deceived out of the birthright, literally. Literally. And so Jacob feared his brother being retaliatory, and so on his way home, the reason he split off his family that we just read was in the event, in fact, prior to this, he had sent Mm -hmm. gifts ahead to Esau. Mm -hmm. Or, or was it prior to this yet maybe I'm mixing my story up but at any rate he was precipitating this problem yes, He's to come.
0: anticipating this interaction
1: and so he has sent away his family so that if he is attacked
0: mm-hmm.
1: by either Esau or one of Esau's armed men that at least his family isn't affected and so mm-hmm. in the darkness when he feels a hand on him
0: he just assumes it was Esau this, or one of his time, men yeah. and it's a fight for his life That's exactly right Yet in the middle of that which you would affa- assume, it's only temporal. You're just struggling for like life itself. But in the middle of that, there's this almost, I, I dare say this, almost a supernaturally cued um, impress of his guilt and sin, right? I- well, Jacob's not
1: clueless as to why he's been away so long or why yeah. Esau wants to kill him. That's yeah. still
0: he's in his he, mind. Exactly. He's like, how did I even get here? Yeah. Why are we in this press? And so, the physical it's, it's just a fascinating mm-hmm. uh, amalgamation of these two things. Now, we know from the text itself, right, because later on in verse 28 again says, when he changed his name to Israel's, because you have struggled with God yes. and with man and have prevailed. There's a strong inference, if not an explicit declaration, that who he's been fighting is God himself. But just like we saw last week with the, I, I, I referred to how Jesus was the active agent in the creation yes. story. Jesus was the latter. Jesus mm-hmm. is now the man Who's wrestling with Jacob? In fact, why don't you read that little uh, excerpt from the S- Sunday's uh, Quarterly, paragraph two?
1: Yes, it says Speaking the man of the who attacked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a term that can have special connotations, evoking the divine presence, uh, as in Isaiah fifty-three three. Daniel used it to refer to the heavenly priest Michael in Daniel ten five. It was. It also was the word used by Joshua to depict the commander of the Lord's army who was the Lord Yahweh himself in Joshua 5, 13-15.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, know, you, in our meeting before, we talked about how Hosea inf- refers to the angel who wrestled with him. This is yes, not just a, a regular... A angel. This is yep. the angel of the Lord, the angel who is the Lord in this sense. And so this is clearly a supernatural, divine struggle. And Pastor Ad, you have to think about this for a minute. It, we're told he begins the fight at midnight and it only starts to relent at the break of day mm-hmm. that's i mean that's got to be on average six hours yes of this is not like you know tame like it's tag they're like really intense so it's physically exhausting and taxing right yeah. and at the same time but he's wrestling with the guilt in the in,
1: in the situation that he thought he was in if you give up for You're a done. moment you die that's right and
0: then the moment has to, and I don't know, as, as the saying is, when the penny dropped and he realized mm-hmm. who he's fighting, when he's basically, and he just, he won. after all this fighting, there's one little, like, snap on the, you know, on, on the hip, and, and his hip is, and he yeah. realized that, oh, I've been fighting with, and I've and, been fighting with somebody who could have won this much exactly. earlier. Exactly. <laughs> and, and uh, my, my friend Dave, Fila if like wanted to, bring this, to win, exactly, it's like, if he was really in it just to kill me, he'd have done it instantly. Like, hmm I I know I'm in over my head, but he also, he's having mercy because I'm not dead yet. And so if there's any little glimpse of hope, I'm going to hang on to that with every bit of me. And that's what I think we see in in Paul's description, Hebrews chapter 4, when he says, you have not, chapter 12, I'm sorry, I'm starting with verse 4. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. So it's not like the Lord is just taking out some anger on him. Right. He has Jacob's best in mind, and he's using this as an opportunity to bring to his remembrance these sins and cleanse him of some yes. issue in his heart. you right.
1: Well, that's exhibited in the story. It's fascinating that when he touches the hip, mm-hmm. then he looks to Jacob and he says, "What is your name?" Mm-hmm. Like the Lord doesn't know right. his name, but Jacob's name meant something. The name Jacob, yeah. which we said, supplanter, supplanter, deceiver. What's your name? It was as act, asking for a confession of his confession it of out. guilt. Yes, it had to be painful. In that, j- this is plaguing him for all these years. And now with the wrestling, what's your name? Ugh. Yes. Jacob. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it, in that moment, then, the mm-hmm. Lord could say, no longer shall your name be called Jacob. Mm-hmm. So you see this, the Lord, the, the bringing up of the sins to his mind, as you read in the statement, the calling this out from him so that he could give him that complete yes. restoration, a new name, a new identity.
0: hmm yeah, it's. It reminds me kind of of the rich young ruler type of thing. Like he goes through, here's all the good things, but there's some, what's the one thing I'm mm-hmm. like, I still have to purge this from yes. my experience if I'm truly going to be a son of God, right? And that's the chasing that Paul talks about. Uh, and I think that this, the lesson obviously is he's still hanging on to this identity as the supplanter and he's got this guilt and I'll never, he, he's, mm-hmm. he's still looking to himself, Yes. And that's the heart of the issue. He has to completely let go of all that and cling to Christ alone for him to have success. And this
1: experience was designed to bring that to him, mm-hmm. to get, bring that bring him to that place in his experience, like right. to step him ahead. And the reason that's important is as you have in the notes, this is a this prefigures what the people of God will face at the end of time for right. the
0: very same reason. Well, and it seems like, again, with like Abraham on Mount Moriah, he has to let it all go and sacrifice mm-hmm. an altar. Here, Jacob has to f- release himself of all of that. And, in fact, li- why don't you read the uh, Patriarchs from Prophets 197-202 yes. quote here. The error that had led to
1: Jacob's sin and obtaining the birthright by fraud was now clearly set before him by the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had not trusted God's promises but had sought by his own efforts to bring about that which God would have accomplished in his own way, time and way. Mm. It was by self-surrender and confiding faith that Jacob gained what he had failed to gain by conflict in his own strength. God thus taught his servant that divine power and grace alone could give him the blessing he craved.
0: Mm. And as you were starting to head down this road, the next subpoint here Is that Jacob's night of wrestling prefigures the experience of God's end time people, what we will endure by God's grace before the Lord returns. That's right. That there is an emptying of self and a clinging only to Christ that must be ours if we're going to be part of the heavenly kingdom, right? The lesson kind of touched on this in the introduction on Sunday where it says Jacob's wrestling was, quote, an incident that was a precursor to what would later be known as the time of Jacob's trouble. Right. Uh, I believe you're looking up Jeremiah 30, yes. 5 through 7. Why you read that?
1: For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor and all faces turn pale? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be delivered, She shall be saved out of it."
0: Mm. It seems like a lot like in Daniel, in like that time, there'll be a time of trouble like never before, but yes, that's the Lord will save him, it's a the parallel there. And it strikes me that in Revelation chapter 3, when it talks about the last day church of Laodicea, you have that chastening concept again, right. where it says in verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Is that the that the this difficulty, this time of unparalleled stress and, and spiritual whatever, uh, that is it is colloquially called the time of Jacob's trouble, is a necessary experiential prerequisite to the full surrender that we'll need in those last days.
1: And you made the reference that Revelation 12, or I'm sorry, Daniel 12.1 is speaking mm-hmm. of the exact same yes. experience yes. that when Michael stands up. Uh, it says there will be time of trouble of such of as there wasn't since the nation until that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. But these are speaking of the exact same time and experience. Over and over, mm-hmm.
0: prophecy indicates that there's going to be that test of God's <clears throat> people in the last days. And
1: the interesting thing is... The Bible talks about turmoil in the earth, but this time of trouble is not an earthly turmoil. Yeah, it's not it is a trouble. a
0: spiritual it's wrestling with God. Specifically for God's people. Now, commenting on this. Now, I know that patriarchs and Prophets deals with it, but in Signs of the Times, November 27, 1879, Mrs. White gave this description. I thought it was beautiful. It says, those who live in the last days must pass through an experience similar to that of Jacob. Foes will be around, all around them, ready to condemn and destroy. Alarm and despair will seize them, for it appears to them, that is to Jacob in his distress, that God himself has become an avenging enemy. Now we'll pause right there and come back to this, but you get the picture, foes on every side, this is the external forces, you know, not buying and selling, death decree, the whole nine yards, right? And then, but you can say, well, at least you have the confiding uh, uh, trust and hope and Mm -hmm. peace of the Lord, passes all understanding. And in that moment, it seems like God Himself is going to turn on you, right? And she writes that, It is the design of God to arouse the dormant energies of His people to look out of and away from self to one who can bring help and salvation, that the promises given for just such a time may be seen in their preciousness and relied upon with unwavering trust. Here faith is proved. Mm -hmm. It's so similar to Jesus on the cross, right? He couldn't sense his father's presence, but he had the word, and the word said, and he just held on to it, and he did not love his life to the death.
1: We see that prefigured with Abraham and Isaac, and and it's interesting how in the story of Abraham, God calls Abraham, you see him go through all his experiences, Mm. but then his faith is tested at the end. And God can say, now I know
0: that you fear God. And we
1: see very similarly with Jacob. That's exactly right. That you have this faith journey, and then of course this application, this end time application that... The work is not done in us yet. Mercy. And and the Lord is taking us, and he's going to bring us through to this place. There's something else fascinating. We don't have time to get into a lot of detail. But this time of trouble is after Michael stands up. Mm-hmm. We just read in Daniel. In other words...
0: That's the close of probation.
1: Probation has closed. Every case is decided. Mm-hmm. So the people of God at this point... The faithful of God are saved. They're redeemed. <laughs> but their feelings, every yes. feeling they have tells them they're lost. Mm. The only thing that tells them they're saved is the promises it's of God. the
0: promise of God.
1: And God is trying to teach them to rely on
0: his promises. Amen. You know, we have other points, but this has got to mm. be the biggest, <laughs> the biggest piece of the puzzle this week. But mm-hmm. let's move on. Okay, victory with God, talking point number two enables peace with others so it's downstream of this experience with god that now jacob instead of coming to esau with just uh fear and strategy and and trying to you know win him with gifts and stuff he has a far more almost a humble confidence and i know it's a weird juxtaposition humble confidence but he has been humbled by god he can be exactly who he is in all his. Well, sincerity. you think
1: about when you come to the point where you fully trust in the Lord. Mm. You know, so how does that change so, your and, other relationships? And, and so, well, think about it. I mean, so we can say we trust in the Lord, but then, well, what if I die? What if something happens to me? What if I? And Jacob has now come to a point where whatever happens to me, it really doesn't matter. Yes, God is in charge. Tr- and when he reached that point, there's nothing to be anxious about. Mm. He's given it all into the Lord's hands. So that carried out in his demeanor. Why even Esau may still come and kill me. Yep. But it's okay. If the Lord allows it, right? He just is now he's not shaken by anything.
0: Now, interesting, there's two passages that kind of link together. If you look at uh, Exodus 32:10 and then I mean 32:20 and 33:10 um once you read 33:10, okay? And I'll read 32:20 and look at the juxtaposition here, okay? Here, Jacob is anticipating and meeting Esau. It says, and, say, be, and also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and after I will see his face, perhaps he will accept me. So, he's looking forward to seeing the face of Esau, right? And then in 33.10, it says what? 33.10,
1: mm-hmm. and you had said Exodus. This is Genesis, Oh, I'm sorry, Genesis Jim. Right? And Jacob said, No, please. If I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me.
0: That's so interesting. He said, I, am, I have seen Peniel, which, where this experience of wrestling happened, is called the face of God. And the lesson brings this out, and I think rightly so, that he has now seen the face of God, wrestled and had victory with God. And now, in the light of that experience, he can face the face of Esau with a different type of, again, that confidence that comes from true humility. Well, that another thing, He calls himself his servant. He's ready to basically atone for everything.
1: Well, another thing that comes out of this, he says, I have seen the face of God. Uh, I have seen your face as though mm-hmm. I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Mm-hmm. When his brother Esau saw him coming with a limp from that. You know and you would say, "Lord, why did you have to put my hip out of his <laughs> life and what have you? but when Esau saw that, it awakened sympathy in his heart for his brother mm-hmm. and it actually healed a relationship there yes it and did. it was to Jacob, who was the perpetrator in this, the one who deceived mm-hmm. his brother, it was healing to him to see that his brother received him and right. forgave him. Well so But his brother forgave him because Ellen White tells us the Lord went before and touched yeah. his heart and showed him what Jacob had gone through.
0: And essentially the point I was trying to make is that Jacob has the first the face to face with God in the night of wrestling. Right. Then he has that face to face with his brother and all of this reconciliation comes downstream of that interaction yes. with God and then and as the Lord moves in his way, he, he's Absolutely. softening the ground so well, that he that's can move the heart fruit. of es- Esau
1: of the Lord's working. Yes. And so I think it's important for us to realize that in our experiences, as much as is in our power, and even beyond, because the Lord worked beyond Jacob's power to work this out, we ought to be seeking reconciliation mm. with those, with our loved ones. So if, when true. there's those rifts in families. And well, that's a theme
0: you. the New Testament brings up. Paul invokes that idea that um, in 2 Corinthians 5, he talks about how we have been reconciled to God through Christ, just like mm-hmm. Jacob had. And we are given then the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ that now in the rightness of Jacob's experience with God, he has this uh, resolution with Esau. And it's a beautiful picture of the power that God can not only have in one person's life, but then from that move outward to other people that, It's his goal, not just to reach one by one, but through others to reach the next one. And this co-laboring with Christ for the salvation of souls is a huge part of the lessons we can draw from Jacob's experience. Mm -hmm. So that's talking point number two, is that victory with God enables peace with others. And we've been given that ministry of reconciliation. Point number three, as we wind it down today, children of faithful parents Mm -hmm. need conversion too. And, you know, when we talk about... How many times we invoke the phrase, the children of Israel? And we're thinking of the nation of Israel or the hundreds, thousands, or even Mm -hmm. millions of people and and eras of their life. But the children of Israel, Jacob's name just got changed to Israel and he has children. They are the literal children of Israel. They have individual names. They have personal lives and experiences. And the details of those lives Mm. and experiences, while Jacob is still alive, mind you, are recorded in scripture and they're not good i mean again tuesday outlines the violation of dinah which obviously wasn't by one of the children but dinah was the child right but how the brothers responded to that which it was a bad instance in itself but then their cruelty and in recompense for that i wonder sometimes why we expect different you know we read these
1: accounts but the reality is and it's i think it's it's a hard reality for us to accept that Conversion is not age dependent, mm. and if you're not converted, you don't think like a Christian. You don't mm-hmm. think spiritually, and that you see your reactions. and We see it with, with not just the children of Jacob all through the Bible. Just because somebody's born in a in a family, uh, a believing family, if if a, if if I don't make my decision for Christ, I have I am under the total control of whatever the enemy wants to do with me mm. it's just re- now I, I shouldn't say that a, a christian parent can pray and to some extent i think provide a mm. level of like
0: job a level of protection but still
1: my, the inward promptings of my heart yeah are just where the enemy wants to turn it until i make a decision for christ and and make that i do think that there, there's a certain age where a parent can weigh in on that but there's a point where you when you're grown up you
0: got it you're on your own you you've gotta do got
1: to make that decision yourself
0: well and again when we look at uh, tuesday cover the violation of Dinah, and of course the response of the the cruelty yes. and retribution then the next thing the prevailing idolatry that necessitated a call to reformation the whole mm-hmm. household was plagued with these idol issues and he had to go back and mm-hmm. let's right. basically do a reset then you get into the death of rachel it's like oh it's a sad death. well inside of that one is tucked this egregious immorality and infidelity between reuben and Bilhah which the lesson is like uh, you know I <laughs> I love that lesson is like we just don't know why we do that why is it what was he thinking and i guess it's i guess it's comforting that we can't find a logical reason for it it's sin it doesn't have a, a logical oh this makes right. sense because a leads to b therefore c there is it's no just, explanation exactly And that, but this is all inside the umbrella of the household of Jacob, who's wrestled with God. Ellen White says, if
1: we could give a reason for it, it would cease to be sin. Exactly. You could explain. Well, it obviously exists because this exists, and this no, there's not an obvious. Well,
0: and this is the same thing. It's an intruder. Abraham had his own experience, but so did Isaac have to have his. Jacob had to have his, had to have his, and all the children of Israel (laughs) had to have theirs too. And if there's one lesson that keeps coming out is that you mentioned it last week, God doesn't have grandchildren. That's right. Everybody's got to have that first love experience if they're going to have any experience at all. Well, and that's what's powerful
1: is when God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Israel is a spiritual name given to a man when he became a spiritual man. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible uses that Israel in the New Testament as a spiritual name given to all who Mm. have followed in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, if you will. Maybe
0: we should bring that back and start changing people's names at baptism. Here's my (laughs) new Adventist name. Here's my new born-again name. I like that. But you see, in the New Testament, you think of John the Baptist where people would come out and say, oh, I want to get some of that baptism too. I'm a child of Abraham. And he says, don't think. A <laughs> guy can raise up from these stones children <laughs> yes. of Abraham. You know, Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it in Romans. That that the that the genetic lineage, sweet as it might be in advance, advantageous mm-hmm. as yes. we might enjoy, it does not save you. Only that personal connection and, and born-again experience has any uh, effect, And that's the thing we need to talk about. Oh, we're coming to a close, but at the conclusion, there is this great statement from Patriots and Prophets. Why don't you read that for us as we close? Jacob's experience
1: during that night of wrestling and anguish represents the trial through which the people of God must pass just before Christ's second coming. As dangers surround them and despair seizes upon the soul, they must depend solely upon the merits of the atonement. We can do nothing of ourselves. Mm. interestingly in another place she says that that time of trouble is the crucible that brings forth Christ-like characters
0: Mm. so there's a lot to ruminate and think about and discuss and I trust that these Sabbath school classes are going to be Mm. a blessing to all involved so let's close today with a word of prayer Heavenly Father, again we thank you for the depth of study that's available to us in your word and not just theorizing and and academic uh, trivia But Lord, these are practical lessons that we need to to really consider in our own experience today. Help us, Lord, not to just be, um, you know, adjacent to the church or or observers, but help us to be participants in the wrestling with Jesus, in the growth of character, in that transformation that only you can provide. So Lord, bless us to that end and bless every Sabbath school class, for we pray it in Jesus' name.